What's up, everybody? My name is Jacob Deaton, and thanks for coming back for another episode of Southern Wedding Professionals, where we highlight really cool people in the wedding industry that have a really interesting story, and maybe none more interesting uh, than uh, my new friend, uh, Julian Simon, uh, with the Westside Warehouse here in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Julian, how you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, so a little backstory as to how we became friends um, just recently. Um, well, I guess since pre-COVID or whatever, um, you know, I had a couple come to me and uh, ask for my business to provide services for their wedding and which we so graciously said yes. And, um, and so I finally got to do a walkthrough at the West Side Warehouse, um, you know, prior to the wedding as I like to do with all the new venues that um, I visit. And I met this wonderful guy, Julian, that took, took me around and showed me everything. And then I found out that he's running the entire place. And you're what, 19 years old? Uh, I am 18 years old. 18 years old. See, I'm even overestimating. And, uh, and I'm like, how does an 18-year-old run a wedding venue in 2021? Um, especially one that's as busy as you guys, which I'm sure you'll tell us all about in, in, in a minute. But after I heard this guy's story, I was like, this has to be documented on film. People need, or, and also on the podcast, because um, we do have the YouTube channel too. But you, you got to know this guy's story. It's so cool. It's so fascinating. And it resonates with me so much. So uh, Julian, uh, give us some broad strokes and um, tell us a little bit of the history about the West Side Warehouse. All right, so uh, we are located on the west side of Atlanta, so right off of uh, Huff Road, so right in the new um, West Midtown area. And uh, we've been in this location, um, not as an antique venue for about uh, tw 20 to 30 years. Uh, so my mother has been here for a long time as an antique dealer, actually. Um, so she was well known as, as Ann Flair Antiques uh, in Atlanta for, for a while. And as antiques got uh, less and less popular um, and, you know, people were gravitating towards Ikea and whatnot, um, we uh, sort of sectioned off, or she sectioned off uh, her antique shop and um, decided to turn it into an event space. Um, so this was obviously a, a new area for us. And we spent about a year uh, renovating the space. So everything that we did was was done in house. Uh, so from the doors to the bathrooms to li literally everything we did ourselves. Um, and then after that, uh, we sort of were looking at the other venues to see how they operated because this was a new industry for us. And, you know, we had never, never done this before and never had a wedding or, or any event before. And so we were just looking how things were done and we saw well, if, uh, if you have to use these specific uh, vendors and, and caterers and they had all these restrictions that you're not allowed to do certain things and then you had to be um, all loaded in and set up within three hours and out within two hours and it just didn't make sense to us how that would even be possible. So we wanted to give people um, a lot more flexibility in, in being able to come in and set up whenever um, whenever they need to. So they have as much time as they need and, and being more flexible with the breakdown. And then um, we also wanted to try to kind of include um, the my mother's past business, so the antiques. Um, there were still some left over, obviously. Um, and so basically we decided that 
uh, people would be able to pick and choose from our from the selection of antiques and use that to decorate the space. So since we were going with sort of a modern industrial look uh, for the warehouse, we thought the antiques would complement it and be able to to sort of soften the look a little bit. Um, so we, we, we let people choose the antiques and use that to decorate the space. So it gives it kind of a unique look. And then uh, we try to, to sort of follow suit with that uniqueness and, and let people work with whoever they want to work with and really uh, do whatever they want with the space. So it's a super versatile space and uh, our, our flexibility is kind of uh, our mantra. It's everything that, that, that we're about. <laughs> I love it, man. Uh, yeah, there's so much to unpack there like one of the things that really impressed me about the venue was um, was the flexibility of the space, but, uh, but also how you guys integrated your past with your present and future. Um, you know, uh, they have, you know, and Julian's being pretty modest here, but like there's a big room and there are a ton of different antiques and like they put things on wheels to where they can like really shape the room um, you know, like uh, they put like a uh, dividers that are built out of like mirrors and like shutters and stuff that like were just old vintage, uh, you know, really cool stuff um, that they've modified and turned into like, you know, like rolling walls. And, um, you know, and they've got, you know, big, you know, you know, vintage tables, you know, that are, you know, God knows how old, you know, that they could just roll out and, 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 and make a space customized. Um, you know, so that you can really section off the room and make them all have different feels and stuff. And it's, uh, it's such a really cool uh, space and a concept. Um, but like, so you grew up, I mean, in this antique store, right? I mean, like you, you were probably, I mean, you're probably there like every day with your family, right? Yeah, exactly. So I'd be here uh, every day uh, until I went to school with my mom. And so we had a little a little playpen set up. So I'd be kind of in a specific area while she'd be able to work on the furniture, you know, stripping furniture, uh, doing a new finish, fixing things, things like that. And as I got a little bit older, uh, I started playing around with the tools myself and then uh, ended up tearing down that playpen. And um, then, you know, it graduated from just destroying things to actually building things. And so, um, you know, this, this warehouse has always been a, a part of my life as long as I can remember. Um, but it's kind of been interesting to see it change from kind of an old creepy warehouse to when I was a kid to now this space that's a, a, a nice space where people get married and then you know make memories uh, that are going to stay with them for the rest of their life and when I really think about it like that it's like wow this this place where I grew up that I used to be kind of scared of to be alone is now this place um, so so yeah it's been a it's been an interesting journey and I'm glad I've I've been able to be a part of it. I mean, as someone who had grew up in, I think the reason why your story resonates with me so much is because I grew up in a grocery store. Um, you know, my grandmother and grandfather started a grocery store. My grandmother came from a long line of grocers, um, you know, many generations. And then she decided she wanted to get into business. Uh, my grandfather put himself through refrigeration and electric school so he could do all basically all the maintenance work that would ever need to be done and uh you know breaking you know fixing broken down coolers and stuff uh and then all of their kids my uncles and aunts became the people that worked in the produce department and the meat department and the bakery and you know that was overseeing of the inventory and the alcohol sales and you know all that kind of stuff and then my generation 
some more than others, you know, my, you know, my involvement with the store was, you know, kind of light um, compared to some of my other cousins who worked there like every single day in the summer. Um, they, you know, we would all pitch in. So like, if we were there, we would work, like we'd go stock a shelf or, you know, uh, or go steal a cookie from the bakery, you know, uh, you know, stuff like that. And so I just get these images of you, um, you know, running up and down these halls of all this vintage stuff as a kid. It's like your own like world to play in, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, that, that, that changed, uh, pretty, pretty early on. I mean, my, my mom put me to work, um, sort of, I think, I think I was eight when I first started helping her out. Like, uh, she, she's a big fan of gardening. So she'd uh, have me help her out in the garden and, and whatnot, um, at the warehouse just to kind of clean things up a little bit. Um, but that kind of progressed as I got older. So, um, there were definitely some times when I'd be, you know, running around and just kind of doing my little kid things like gluing things together and just seeing what I could make. But um, it was, it was, a, this was a place of work pretty early on. Um, and then um, uh, recently, so I, I just graduated from high school and I, I decided, um, you know, I, I was wondering if I had to go to college or not, or if that's what I wanted to do. And, and I decided um, to, to not go to college and uh, to be able to start working full-time here. Um, so I, I feel like people go to college to find new, new opportunities and, uh, I didn't really need to go anywhere to find my opportunity. So that's, uh, it's, it's, it's been really interesting to see, um, sort of my evolution and my perception of this place, um, and how it's changed as well. Unbelievable. I mean, I, I yeah, I mean, my family no longer owns a grocery store, but it's still there. And oh, okay. sometimes when I go home, I, I'll, you know, I won't tell my family that I do this, but like, I mean, it, not that it's a big deal or anything, but like, I'll stop and I'll, I'll walk into the grocery store and I'll walk through the aisles like I did when I was a kid and remember what it was like and all the memories that happened on aisle seven or, you know, like I, you know, I have very, you know, specific memories, uh, you know, almost on every aisle. Um, but, you know, my family doesn't own that anymore. It's, it's someone else's, you know, um, for you to, you know, to be now dedicated back to the work um, of that place in its, you know, new invention um, for, you know, for what you uh, have been able to, I mean, for, for the whole life of you living in that place. I mean, it's just so rare and just so interesting, um, you know, that, uh, that this is how everything has turned out. Um, and that you guys still have the space and that you're running it. What was some of the, uh, you know, obviously you're, you're doing well with the event space, um, but like, what was some of the determining factors that you made to like decide to stay and like not, you know, take on maybe debt from school or like, uh, you know, pursue a different thing? What was some of those factors that sort of played into you, you, you know, staying at home essentially? Yeah. Um, well, the, the biggest thing w without a doubt for me was I, I was just, I, I never really liked school. I, I never enjoyed it that much. You know, I, I liked the social aspect like everybody else, but I, I was never, I mean, even the classes I like, I didn't like them that much. I'd rather be doing other things. Um, and so I just imagined myself being in school, paying to go to school, like you said, getting in debt to go to school, 
versus just working here, making money and, you know, doing something that I've been doing for two years already and that I enjoy doing. Um, because that, that's the other thing about weddings uh, is they're always going to be different, um, especially with a space like this. You know, the space is used a million different ways and that we, we've never had one wedding that was even remotely similar to another. And so that that's another thing that really sort of attracted me is I was just like, when it comes to school, I feel like it's kind of the same day, uh, the same thing every day, maybe just different classes, but it's still pretty much the same thing. Um, while with this, I kind of have an opportunity to, um, you know, do, do what I want with it. And it's always going to be something new and interesting, new problems to, to take on. Um, but then, but then, yeah, that's the last thing is I feel like people go to college um, to, to find opportunity uh, be, because they don't have, um, you know, uh, uh, they, or they don't see a future in what they're doing right now, but I don't have that problem. And I see a future in this place and I feel like this is my opportunity. So why would I go anywhere if my opportunity is home? Yeah. And I love that. And also too, it kind of like, it, it sort of harkens back to an, an ideology that used to be very common in our American culture, which was mom and dad grew a business and then son and daughter took it over and like took on that business and made it their own and you know maybe took it in a slightly different direction but it was still the family business you know um and even though the antique side of your world um that was you know uh, your mother's to, to start with um you know maybe like even though it's it's evolved into this particular uh avenue you know uh it's still the family business, you know what I mean? It's still like the family building at least, yeah. you know? And um, I mean, that's just, uh, you know, I think of, you know, just, there's just not many people that get to really experience that. Um, I mean, get to experience that whole thing of being brought up in a building that you're building a business in on the business suffers or whatever it's, you know, you guys pivoted and, or shifted. And, and now you're in a situation where, uh, you know, it's a brand new business, but same building. Um, and I, just not many people get to experience that and, and grow up with their family like that. Um, oh, yeah. That no. really speaks to me as a mid Midwestern kid. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I'm very, very fortunate to get to experience that. And again, to have this opportunity that's at home where I don't need to go anywhere to, to find my calling um and you know I, I can be happy right here and i'm extremely fortunate for that and i mean all the credit for for that goes to my mother for having the you know because i i didn't know what an event space was when i was 15 and we started you know um getting the idea to to renovate this place and started working on it i was just you know helping out and and so um you know she's the one that's that's taught me everything and i mean we, we've learned together but she's definitely you know she took the first initiative so so the cr the credit's definitely uh due to her <laughs> <laughs> um so let's let's walk it timeline wise um just up till now um so i think you said somewhere around like 2016 and 17 is when you guys decided to make the switch uh, yep. walk us through that so in 2016, um, my mother made the decision to, to close the antique store and to, uh, you know, begin the construction and, and renovation in, of the event space. So uh, now the space is, you know, just a wide open uh, 6,400 square foot event space. But 
before there were these big walls in the middle and a bunch of small rooms for special pieces like to display um and there was a ton of furniture everywhere um, so <laughs> i missed my time man i could have gotten in there and got some great furniture uh anyway continue <laughs> um but so we, we had a ton of people come in and, and grab some some great pieces for some low prices. But um, she she knew that um, we could maybe incorporate or at least try to incorporate, see if it would work and people would be interested in using like the farm tables and things like that. But there were a lot of decorative pieces and paintings and other large pieces that just had to go. Um, so most of that ended up going uh, into an estate sale. And then that's that's what ended up to most of the pieces. Uh, but then we kept uh, the ones that we think we can, or we thought we could still use and started renovating the space. Um, and that took about a, a year and a half. Um, and during that time, we were also looking at the other venues, just seeing how they operated and starting to kind of get a feel for the industry and how it worked. Um, and then in December of 2017, we had our first wedding. Um, this was, I, I wasn't totally involved in the business at this point. I was still in high school. And so I would work on weekends. I would, you know, uh, help clean up and things like that, but I wasn't working or, or touring that much. Um, but then in 2018, um, I started working a little more. So I started uh, learning how to do tours. Um, my mom felt that that was where I excelled. So she had me doing that a lot. Um, and then uh, we would still, you know, be doing little things here and there just to try to make the space look a bit better. Um, and we started really getting a feel for the industry and, and, you know, knowing what we were doing. So we started, oh, hey, this person does really good work. We should try to work with them a little more. We can send people their way. Um, and then people started knowing who we were. So I remember in the beginning, a lot of people would call us like a, a hidden gem just because nobody really knew who we were. Um, but uh, 2018 came and went really fast. And, and I was, by, by the end of 2018, I was doing almost all the tours whenever uh, we were able to schedule them on, on weekends. Um, otherwise, uh, obviously during the week, my mother would take care of them, but um, we just kind of kept or started building a reputation for ourselves and, and, uh, and knowing, um, you know, the different vendors and just uh, get, getting a feel for, for, for the Lana uh, wedding community. Um, but then 2019 is when things uh, really started taking off. So we had about uh, 50 to 60 weddings that year, um, just, just a lot going on. And, and we really made, made some great vendor relationships with people that we're still working with today and, you know, started to put our little team together. Um, and I also got uh, much more involved. So just doing a lot more of the tours. Um, but uh, it was still kind of only limited towards that um, until um, when, when COVID hit. Uh, so with, um, with COVID, there were um, there was obviously no school, so I was able to uh, to, to be working here and then still do the online uh, classes. Um, you know, just just taking a break to do the classes and then being able to work here um, more. So I, I was kind of taking up a larger role in the company. And with COVID, it also uh, you know slowed things down considerably. So we had this big plan for twenty. 20 where we were you know going to be super busy and and right off the bat you know in high school I'd be working all the time during the summer and it was going to be a real busy summer and then you know just busy that that that, that was all we had planned um and it ended up not being busy at all and we had our last wedding in um 
March 15th. And then after that, we didn't have anything until um, I think we had one very, very small wedding in August or September. But uh, so it was like, you know, a long period of time where we just didn't have any weddings. Um, we were still touring, but that was a lot slower than we had expected. So we decided to uh, renovate a loading dock in um, the back of our building into a, a little cocktail area. Area. So it was an outdoor cocktail area, and we just um, so so we we kind of have a a uh, we we just like to continue improving our space. So um, we're always seeing how we can improve it and just make it better. Um, whether that's you know adding some vines, adding some flowers, repainting something. Uh, you can uh, you can always see us working on some some aspect of our space, trying to improve it. Um, so we built that uh, outdoor space, and that was uh, that that proved to be a really great decision because people just love the outdoor space, and it kind of has like a like a Tuscan vibe to it. So it's uh, a little bit different than the event space, but it still really fits in with the modern rustic industrial looks. So so it's uh, it's it's really nice out there, and we're very uh, happy to have it done. And it was really nice to it was really nice and rewarding to see, you know, everybody really liking it um, when we had kind of taken a risk with that. Uh, but so we stayed busy during the pandemic and then things started picking up uh, a little bit towards the end of last year. Um, I also started working full time um, in April, uh, late April. So like, I think it was a uh, Two, two days after I graduated, I started working full-time. And so um, we just <laughs> uh, got, got to it and uh, I was doing all of the tours. Um, and then um, we, we, we were just uh, uh, starting to pick things up a little bit, but I kind of brought a, a, a little more uh, interesting events, uh, should I say, to the warehouse. So we started uh, with, since COVID, uh, with COVID, we, there weren't that many weddings. So we tried uh, some parties and those were interesting, kind of a, kind of a very different than weddings, but um, that was fun. And, and, you know, we got to try some new things out and um, it's just, uh, it, it's been really interesting. And uh, now going into 2021, uh, we're hopeful for this year, um, really keeping our fingers crossed. But if we aren't, if we don't end up being busy, um, with weddings, we'll, we'll definitely find something to do. But um, personally, uh, reflecting on on working um, so far, um, you know, it hasn't been a year yet, but I've been truly um, loving it. And I, I really um, am happy with my choice of industry. And uh, I, I honestly don't think I could have made a better choice because uh, like I said, I really love how literally every day is different. Um, you're interacting with different people, doing different things. And um, yeah, so, so it's been really great. So man, uh, I, 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 the line, like when you said, uh, uh, you're like, yeah, I graduated high school and two days later, I started my job that I plan on doing for a very long time. I mean, that's just like, <laughs> that, that, that kid just gets me. Uh, it just gets me, um, cause I get it. And, you know, I'm passionate about what I do. Um, and I've always known what I've wanted, wanted to do, even though I've taken a couple of little detours along the way. Um, so it's just, that's just cool. And, you know, we have a lot in common as far as like not much college or zero college. Um, so, uh, pretty cool. Um, dude, I gotta ask you, um, so your, um, your team, you mentioned that you have like a small team. Tell us, tell us about your team and, and, and who all is involved in it and, um, and what their roles are. So at base, you have uh, me and my mother, right? When 
we're, we're, we're sort of the big team because we're here all the time. Um, and then we have our event team. So this has changed a little bit, uh, but um, basically in the beginning when I wasn't working here full time, my mother obviously couldn't do everything herself working like a 16 hour day. Um, so we worked um, with, uh, it's a gentleman called Bill Weber. Um, he works, uh, it's a Bowman and Clark. They do event planning and, and florists. They're a really sweet couple. And we've absolutely loved getting to know with the, uh, getting to know them. And um, basically Bill used to help us out. And so they, they were part of our team. Um, not not so much anymore it definitely slowed down with the pandemic and then since i started working full time but they they were a part of it at the beginning and they gave us some really um some really great advice that uh that we've um that that was very helpful yeah uh, especially especially when we were just getting things started um but so they they're really sweet and we've loved working with them and then we have uh, a security guard that we work with and so he gives us advice on how to make our venue safer, uh, which is obviously a top priority. Um, and uh, he is just always with us at every single event. And we absolutely love working with him as well. Um, and oh, and I can't forget uh, the person who helped us design and build the space. Um, so we have a uh, I can call him a contractor, but he's he's a he's a close family friend, and so he helped us uh, build the space as well. Helps us with electrical work uh, whenever whenever things like that come up. So um, it's not just me and my mom, uh, but yeah, we we've had some awesome help along the way. So as you forecast into the future here, um, with like twenty twenty one, and you're looking at your books, so to speak, um, you know I I know I know you from a lot of the you know we spoke about how many weddings you were doing. You were saying that, you know, in the peak year pre-COVID, you were, you know, at over 50 um, a year. Um, is there any other type of events that you guys do during the week and stuff, or is it just primarily focused on the weekends? Um, I mean, it's it's almost exclusively on, on weekends. Um, we might have an occasional weekday event. So sometimes, um, again, still still weddings usually so we'll have like sometimes engagement parties on like thursdays or things like that um but other than that it's almost all weekends um we have had some some events so so not uh not not weddings but like uh conferences um different different meetings different um groups putting on fundraisers things like that uh but but we definitely are are you know centered around weddings like that's 95 percent of what we do um it's 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 kind of interesting seeing the the difference between um a wedding and and you know a sort of normal event um being that the the weddings you know all, always have a ton more emotion and everybody wants everything to be perfect and so um they, they, i feel like they, there's good things about each of them uh, yes. but but i am glad that that we do uh, mostly weddings here yeah i i i love the wedding industry because there is so much passion in it um from top down from the bride and groom and the parents um to the wedding planner that wants everything to be absolutely perfect and that like you know that's like her brand and her job you know uh all the way down to you know all the other vendors and um and then the overall spirit of the people that are there that are there to celebrate two people um and they're just there to have a good time you know so uh in in 
in my world, I, I love being around people that just want to have a good time. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like, it's, it, it always makes for a good evening. If everybody's in the spirit of having a good time, it's like, we can all just kind of forget about the world for six hours here and uh, just focus in on a couple, catch up with some friends and have a good time. You know, um, that's the reason why I've, I've grown um, fond of the, of the wedding world. Uh, even more so than the other things like corporate events and, you know, destination management events and stuff like that. Like, uh, I mean, those are cool. I mean, there's always like, you know, there's always like a different vibe there though. Like, you know, they're there, exactly. yeah. but they, then there's, then it's like, they have to flip the switch and now they're there to party, you know? Um, you know, whereas like everybody walks into a wedding with the idea that this is going to be a party and this is going to be fun. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, it's, and it's different too, because there's like, you know, family's a part of it and, and it's really going to be a special moment that, that people are going to remember for the rest of their lives. That, that's what I, I still can never get over is just that this warehouse people are going to remember as a special part of one of the most important days of their lives. And, and, you know, I, I'm just lucky to be a part of that. <laughs> So as you like forecast into the future, um, I mean you're, I mean you're you're big man, eighteen years old, running the running the running the, you know, with, with mom, you know, like, I, like, do you? Um, is there anything that comes to mind for like the future that like you would like to see, you know, you guys expand into an area that maybe you're not doing right now, or maybe more of something that you're not doing uh, as much as you'd like of, or is it like? we just really love weddings and that's going to always be our top priority. I mean, what, uh, what do you see about the future? And obviously we're not holding you to this. This is just talking, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, so I, I remember in the beginning when, when we were first setting this place up, um, the idea was like, you know, cause we, we had looked at like no very, no very events, um, who have a lot of venues in the Atlanta area. And we were like, Oh, maybe we could buy another property and, and, you know, set up another venue or, or just do that sometime. But honestly, the, the thing that kind of sets us apart from a lot of other venues is that it's just us working here. And, and, you know, since we own it and we're the only employees, it kind of, we, we have a different level of investment than like other venues do where we don't mind staying an extra hour because we're not getting paid like an hourly rate if that. So, so it's just, it's just a little bit sort of a different, level of commitment that we have into the venue versus that an employee would have. And I'm not sure if we're able to replicate that somewhere else. Um, and if we are, it would definitely be difficult and, and take some time. So I think that before we start branching out or anything like that, um, really want to, cause, cause this place isn't perfect. You know, it, it, it's, there's definitely still a lot of room for improvement and, and, you know, we're, we're, we're not denying that and we're looking forward to making it as close to perfect as it can be. Um, and so, and so, yeah, we, we still have work to do. So, so that's not going to happen anytime soon, but I think that um, in the near future, we, we'd be looking at, cause, cause we're not a full service venue. Um, so we just provide venue, we provide our furniture and, and we provide uh, ourselves as help. <laughs> um, but basically in the future, we might uh, be looking forward to st still leaving that as like an option, but then also offering, um, you know, full service packages with the vendors that we've come to know and, and absolutely love working with. Um, so, so there's definitely still room to grow and, and try new things. And, and, you know, I mean, we've, we've just scratched the surface of, of what we can do with this place and, you know, in, in the Atlanta industry as a whole. So uh, there's, right. there's a lot more room to grow. 
Yeah, well, there's always improvements, man. I mean, you're talking about a building that's been there for how long? I mean, 42. You know, yeah, since 1942. So, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be something to fix. Uh, and, and that's the charm, you know, that's uh, as someone who grew up in a home, you know, in rural Indiana um, that was like built in 1860 something, I can attest that every day and every Saturday was spent fixing something on that house, you know? Um, and, uh, that's just the way it is, you know, but um, uh, yeah, I, I think there is something special to that. Um, you, you always, as, as someone who employs people, you always want to find someone that, um, you know, that cares about your business, you know, that like the biggest thing that you look for in anything is like how much they care, you know? Um, and the truth is, is that no employee ever in the entire world of the history of ever will ever love your business as much as you love your business. And it's okay. I mean, that's why you're paying them to be there. You, I mean, you hope that that's like an added bonus and that's always like the, the cream, you know, the, the icing on the cake, so to speak. Right. Um, but like the fact that you guys are so small and that you're um, you both have vested interest in um, this particular um, venue um, and it's over, you know, and it's overseeing it's upkeep. It's, um, development into new things um you know and overall customer satisfaction like they know that when you know they're coming to the west side warehouse that they're going to see julian you know and and his mom you know like i i there's just some there is something that's um when you expand uh there's a chance that you lose that intimacy you know and uh sometimes that's okay um, sometimes it's needed, sometimes it's warranted, but sometimes it's okay to, to not and um, and be that venue that where, you know, they know that they're going to get Julian every Saturday night, you know, to, at some point, you know, so there's comfort in that. And uh, there's a lot of trust in that, especially with like returning vendors um, and, uh, you know, and clients that you meet. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, uh, that's a, that's something that's very much underrated. You, you see so many people that's like, oh, well, we got this one thing happening. Let's go build it and go grow the next thing. And then, you know, it'll be amazing. And that's okay to have that entrepreneurial spirit, you know, but um, there, it comes with cost, you know? And I'm sure that a lot of the brides and grooms that come and they book you guys are instantly um, just fascinated with how beautiful the space is and the amenities, but, um, but really also the fact that you guys are, you know, independent, you're not part of a big conglomerate, you know, and you guys are in fact the team, you know? Yeah, no, that, that that's definitely part of it. Um, I think that, uh, you know, the, the, the flexibility doesn't hurt either. Um, people, people like options. They like being able to do what they want. So uh, that that's really what we tried to, to give people, but, um, but you're, you're right. Um, I mean, there's a different feel when you walk in and you're seeing the same person that you've always interacted with, uh, then, you know, if you're always talking to a different person, every time you get to the venue, um, I think that's kind of why my, my mom, when I started working here full time, she was like, all right, well, now you're going to be doing all the tours and answering all the emails because you're going to be the face of the business. Um, so, so there's one point of contact, even though there's, you know, multiple people, uh, working behind the scenes to make everything, uh, to make everything work. <laughs> I do you ever, I mean, I mean, dude, I keep going back to the fact that you're 18 years old. <laughs> but do you 
do you ever feel like, oh my God, this is like so much, like this is, this is, can I do this? Or is it just because you've grown up in this very comfortable space of being in this building your whole entire life that it just seems, you know, you just, it, it just kind of, is it like one of those things is like ignorance is kind of bliss. You just go about it. You're like, nah, this is just what I do. I mean, do you ever feel that? I mean, you're 18 years old running an extremely popular wedding venue in Atlanta, you know? Um, I'll be honest, not really. Um, cause it's kind of what I chose, you know? Um, and, and I mean, I, I fully, you know, know what I was giving up by not going to college, but it, it just wasn't much that really interested me. I mean, I, I was ready to work. Um, and like, so, uh, in the past I would work like the full summer, um, between, between, um, school years. So, uh, I would just be working. So, so the past two years I would do that before I started working full time. Um, and basically during two weeks in that time, my mom would, uh, go to France to see her parents. So I've, you know, I, it's not like it was my first time managing the space. And I also had my mother helping me, whereas sometimes during the summer, you know, for that two week period, I'd be managing it alone as a 16, 17 year old. Um, so I, I've been used to it and, and you know, I, I, I feel like I kind of work good under pressure, but it's not like this is a pressure at this point. You know, it's, it's just, I, I know what I'm doing. So it's not like I'm second guessing myself and, I'm not really uh, too too worried about it or anything. I remember being uh, finally turning around. Like it was like late 19, early 20. I got my certification when I was in the military, and they gave me like the, basically like the shift supervisor keys to uh, the airfield that I was to manage, and it's an 83 billion dollar airfield. And so I was in charge of my department with the keys. And uh, I just remember being like, oh my God, like what happens? What if something goes wrong? <laughs> but again, if you've grown up in the environment and like, and you know the room, like the back of your hands, you know where everything is and you know, you've got a few weddings and stuff under your belt, you know, as a kid, uh, you know, watching this place grow. I mean, if mom says you're ready and she's ready to go to France, right? you're ready, <laughs> you know? Well, mom knows best right <laughs> exactly yeah and she needs her vacation too <laughs> <laughs> that's great uh do you get back to do you go to france very often do you get do you get back to i mean obviously not during the whole covid thing but like previously yeah. um we we would try to try to go once a year um so usually it would be like uh she'd go to for two weeks and then i'd go for two weeks um Obviously, it hasn't happened recently, but um, hopefully, hopefully, we'll be able to go back um, once once this is all over. Fingers crossed. Do you do you speak French well, or, or are you just kind of like, yeah? Yeah, no, it's my first. It was actually my first language, so I'm fluent. Yeah, I love that. Um, I my next door neighbors are from uh, Uruguay, and so uh, they've been teaching their kids, you know, as they've grown up, uh, you know, Spanish and English. Um, and I just think that's just so cool um, to uh, to grow up in a, you know, a bilingual household, you know, that's, yeah. something, that's something you don't get in Southern Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I went to uh, to uh, Atlanta International School over in oh, Buckley yeah. as well. 
yeah so uh so so that was uh, that that definitely helped with uh with learning french um and and yeah do, do you uh, aside from family do you get to exercise that very often like as far as like uh you know obviously probably every now and then with a client or something that's probably rare i mean do you have like a lot of friends that you get to speak french with to keep it up um, I, I have some friends uh, fr from from school that 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 were French, and and so I talk to them every once in a while. But even even that, we'll usually speak English. Um, it's it's uh, it's mainly with 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 family. Yeah. Right. 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 Um, yeah. I can't. Um, I've. Uh, I I think the French language is you know like the sexiest language ever. <laughs> um, personally, uh, to me, like I just think just the way the you know, the way the like vowels and, and consonants are put together in, in the, the sonic, just the overall sonic quality of the language is just so cool to me. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it's really, really cool. So let's learn some, we just, now everybody knows you speak French. Let's learn some more things about you specifically um, as we uh, begin to wind down here. Like, uh, tell us some of your like activities you like to do, like when you're not at the warehouse 16 hours a day, <laughs> and, you know, you have, you know, like another eight hours or so and you're like, well, I got to sleep for at least four. Like, what are you going to do with that at the time, all that time? Um, well, I, uh, I, I love working on cars. Really? Um, yeah. So, uh, like vintage? uh, well, a, a little bit of both. So, um, I really like BMWs. Okay. Uh, so I have an older, uh, BMW from 1975. It's a, uh, 2002. And then, so I'm that—that that was my neighbor's, and I bought that off her. So I'm just trying to to get that one looking good and running good. So, um, so what, to what to, do you uh, do? You work on them? Is it like body work, or is it mostly like engine and like? Um. Like so I started. I start, So I also have a, a more modern one. It's a it's a three thirty five. So it's a, it's two thousand nine. Um. So I started doing like engine work on that one because you know, I mean, it's a BMW. It loves to break down. So. Um, it would have costed me too much to keep um, if I didn't do my own work. So it started out of necessity, but I quickly started uh, enjoying it. And then uh, I decided I needed another project car. So I bought that one from my neighbor and that's when the body work started. So uh, that one had some rust and things like that to fix. So um, I, I got it running and then um, I started working on the on the body. Then I'm going to get it running great and then uh, hopefully sell it. So we'll see. Are you, are you doing are you doing like all the metal fab too to like replace all the rust spots and stuff? Yeah, dude, you're you are <laughs> ridiculous. I, I don't I don't even know what to say. <laughs> well, I, I got lucky. I learned uh, do, doing everything to build the space. So I, I was taught to weld and, and, you know, learning how to do all that. And I mean, once once you, you know, do a few things yourself, I feel like you kind of get a hand for it. And I mean, YouTube is really just wonderful. You can you can do anything nowadays. <laughs> it's really crazy, honestly, the amount of knowledge. Um, you know, I kind of think of, you know, did you ever see The Matrix? Yeah, yeah. It's it's like uh, I just remember that scene where uh, they're teaching Neo how to fight, and he's just like you know, he downloads how to play kung fu, how to how to do kung fu. You know what I mean? And then he's like, and then he like opens his eyes and he's like, I know how to do kung fu now. You know, uh, I feel like that's like the, you know, that might be like 5.0, but like 1.0 is YouTube. Yeah, definitely. Where we just like 
it's like, what do I want to learn today? I want to learn how to weld. Let me just type this in in YouTube real quick. And then, and then in like, you know, 15 minutes of a video, you're like, okay, I know the basics of welding now. I mean, you are a hundred percent correct because yeah, without, without YouTube, I wouldn't be fixing anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've always wanted to know more about cars and my family being from Southern Indiana, most of them can take apart an engine and put it back together with a, with a blindfold on. Um, but um, I've always wanted to, to learn that skill. Um, but you know, there's only so many hours in the day, but you seem to find them. So maybe I, maybe I'm just making excuses. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm telling you one, one half of, uh, of, of, you know, being able to, to fix something on a car is like having the tools and the other half is, is believing that you can do it. Yeah. Um, because it's, I mean, it's really, it's, it's dumbed down nowadays. So between the, the YouTube forums, um, I mean, they, they have everything from, you know, just filling your oil to swapping the engine. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to ask this question selfishly for me. Sorry to my listeners, but about this, about the two cars and the dichotomy of them, like the evolution between the 70, uh, the 70s BMW versus now the 2009 that you have. Um, I mean, uh, the innovation between those two engines, I mean, are pretty ridiculous man see that's the thing is everybody's saying that the older cars are going to be easier to work with or easier to work on and you know everything's going to be easy and super simplified and it's true to an extent but you just have to know how they work while as with this uh newer one um which is uh everything's electric um it's uh it's all computers so you just plug something in it tells you what's wrong and then you you change it or you fix it it's uh you know there's no there's no real diagnosing um you know to a certain degree uh but with that old one there's no computers and and you just gotta you just gotta know yeah <laughs> so, so i feel like the learning curve is a lot higher on that older one uh, or a lot steeper sorry on that older one than on the newer one um right. then again i started on the new one so that might be why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my, my cousins can know how, I mean, they, they can, you know, they can listen to, you know, an engine and know exactly where the, the you know, of an, of an older vehicle and, you know, know exactly where the problem is. And, you know, they're kind of like keen like that. Um, <laughs> uh, they can just isolate problems like, you know, like that. So I just, I just find all that super interesting. I'll, I'm always nerding out, um, in my free time, uh, watching all these uh you know like counts customs and stuff like that like all these oh, yeah. uh you know all these different shows like where they talk about rebuilding these beautiful vehicles um and uh my my grandfather had a 70s cadillac that i always said that i was going to uh i was gonna rehab uh but it got sold long before i ever got a chance to do it but um yeah one of these days maybe <laughs> there's there's your next reason to pick up a project yeah no kidding um so uh is there what, what are some of the other interests that you get into like is there uh do you have like a favorite netflix show or like is there a favorite band that you like uh i'll, I'll be honest um cars tend to take a lot of my time and money um but, they do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I like spending time with friends like everybody else. Um, I, I do like Netflix. Um, I love um, kind of dumb cartoons. So like I love uh, South Park, uh, Rick and Morty, um, all that huge fan of that. 
Um, but other, other, other than that, I mean, there's, there's really not that much to me. I'm either working here, working on my cars or, or out driving the cars, you know, rallies, uh, meets, things like that. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I loved, uh, I have not gotten into Rick and Morty at all, but South Park was like, when South Park hit, it was like the world stopped. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but before that it was like Ren and Stimpy and uh like beavis and butthead and all that stuff oh yeah yeah yeah. my my dad showed me beavis and butthead (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's uh i mean my my stepfather used to um we used to make time and watch ren and stimpy together and then we would watch beavis and butthead my mom thought she she was rotting my brain but yeah (laughs) you know i was rotting i mean and when you look back at it i understand why now you know but i I thought that was cool you know yeah Uh, anyway (laughs) <laughs> yeah, um, that's hilarious. Um, that's cool, man. Well, hey, listen, Julian, I just want to say thanks for taking the time out, man. You have such an interesting story. You have like an interesting, um, you have a very interesting space. And um, the story that's attached to it just tugged at my heart. So thank you so much for taking the time to come here and, and tell us about you. Well, thank you so much for having me because it was a, a great experience. Like I said, I've never done anything like this before. So it was a lot of fun. So thank you. You should because you're great at it. You're like a natural. Um, you're, you're, you're a natural, just like you're probably a natural at cars and you're obviously natural at showing your space. So um, mom, was, mom is bat- batting a thousand at all the things you're good at. So, <laughs> Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, make sure, make sure you tell mom hi for me. And, uh, and, and, uh, if you're, if you're listening, uh, all the information will be, uh, posted in the comments below or in the, um, text, um, area of the podcast. Um, Julian, thanks again for being here at Westside Warehouse. Check them out online. They are amazing. And, uh, I gotta have you back on at some point. So please come back. I'd love to come back anytime. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Uh, This has been another episode of Southern Writing Professionals, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Like and subscribe. Become a part of the community and know your community better. See ya. 